This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Lawrence Conley and Brian Degning for the Tuesday Bulletin. Welcome back to the show, guys. Loads to discuss. Big game tonight. Talking point around Billy Gilmer. Lawrence is choking to get uh, stuck into that debate. But let's start off with some of the moves. Uh, the movers and the shakers around Celtic Park at the moment. Brian, I watched with interest yesterday. I uh, watched uh, Lee Griffiths getting interviewed outside uh, Hamden. Um, you know, had he been in the right condition this season, I'm pretty sure he'd have been part of the team tonight. Um, and Scotland certainly the striker. But I found it interesting that he was actually being interviewed because uh, Celtic are normally very controlling of media duties. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't mention his Celtic career, but um, it did. Um, it did ask me the question whether or not he's going to be part of this this rebuild under Ange, uh, following the news that Anthony Ralston. Um, 
is going to be kept on for another year. We're taking up the one-year option on his contract. What's your thoughts on that, first and foremost? Is it a sticking plaster until we get uh, proper reinforcements in? We know that we are interested in other players, and in particular, I, I was looking with interest at Valentin uh, Rossier as well, who apparently we've put in an official bid for. So what do you make of this? Is this something that we're, we're reading a lot into when, in actual fact, he's, he's maybe just second... Uh, possibly even third choice for next season. I think the, the thing that flags up for me is not as much that the boys signed, it's who's made the decision. It often mm. the contract extension. That's my concern. So I've seen a few times um, on here and on Twitter. I don't really have any problem having some squad players in that maybe with no intention of using. We talked about Sweet, uh, Sweet Jenko, um, we talked about other players maybe coming in, players that maybe aren't their first choices but are going to fill a gap. So, I don't really have any issue with Alston getting a contract. I don't think it's particularly great. I don't think it's particularly bad. I think he was probably better than Kenny, but I don't see a huge future for him. Mm. My immediate concern is who's making that decision. So, I've been kind of pretty positive about Boston Coglu not being a yes man and doing these things his own way. And, you know, I'm kind of going on with that narrative. But I don't see how he could have watched him training virtually for two mm. or three days and immediately phoned Dom and said, Dom, I've seen this boy training, he's exceptional, get my contract. I don't see that work, because we haven't met him yet, he doesn't wait until Thursday, I think. So who's made the decision to give him a contract? Is it this mystery director of football that nobody knows exists? Is mm. it? Is it still Peter Lowell? I mean, who's making these calls? That's a huge red flag for me. Some of the players that were saying that, I know we signed the young boy, he could have been, he's somebody for the academy, maybe someone else is in charge of that. It looked shocking. He was already a new Lenny signing. He was kind of already in the building. But to, to give out contracts to players, new players confuses me, especially when the managers don't met them yet. And that is a new worry. Is who's making these decisions behind the scenes? And why are they making them? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's been a red flag for me. In the last couple of days. Absolutely, Brian. The, the player you mentioned, Joey Dawson, comes in from Scunthorpe. You kind of understand that you know there are there are tears to the operation, and we're bringing someone in at 18 years of age as a project for someone who is definitely going to be involved in the Colts, and we'll come back to him later on. That's fine. That almost flies under the radar, although it was announced during the week. But when you're talking about deals for first team players like him or Lotham, first team players like Anthony Ralston and others and the other one I would throw into the mix there is Olivier and Cham now I think most Celtic fans will be quite happy when Olivier and Cham leaves the building but who is making that decision and this is the the concern that has been raised all over social media I've seen it myself Brian and it's as you know, people are asking the question if we're giving deals to the likes of Ralston, potentially Griffiths, when he meets up with um, Postacoglu on Wednesday, um, who's making the decisions? Because at the, this moment in time, we believe that the, the CEO, the outgoing CEO, has had his leaving party. Dominic Mackay is in the building, although officially he doesn't start until the 1st of July. He's in the building. Uh, we don't have the, the, the mythical director of football. We've, we obviously heard last week the name Gordon Strachan being linked with that particular position. So it seems to me as though the club, Lawrence, is in a state of flux. Or does that just come down once again to the fact that we're not being told a great deal at this moment in time so it just appears as though um, there are gaping holes in the operation at the moment well we've definitely not been told much you know communication PR whatever you call it 
we just know what's going on. Are we still looking for a director of football? Are we not? Who knows? So, part of it's that, but I think guys, right, you know, you're a bit worried. What's Ange going to do about Ralston? They'll see all his fitness data and all his videos, but he's never really going to have seen them in the flesh, not recently. So we talked off air, you raised the fact I've got two squads to fill. <laughs> you know, but a lot of us are dubious about the, the first team squad, never mind uh, filling a Colts squad just now. So, mm-hmm. is that played into it? But Tony Ralston, is it hardly any appearances? It's. What about, what's Ange going to say that we haven't seen? You know, he's come right up through the academy. I think, what, four or five games last season, he hit the byline against uh, St Johnston. Not a lot of Celtic players done that last season, but another contract. Is he, I don't think he's long-term at the club, so I can't see him being a signing for the Colts, because then he's just a blocker, whoever is younger at the Colts. He's just blocking mm. them. Is he back up for the first-team squad? we've got a corner we've not seen much of internationalists we've supposedly made a bid for a right back so that would give, give us three first team mm-hmm. right backs mm-hmm. do we need three first team right backs surely we're kind of going for two for every position it, it, it just seems a weird one we've committed some finance to this unclear exactly what he's going to be doing surely Leo Connor's got to be ahead of him in the picking for, for the right back position and if we have mm. bid for the right back he would suggest that he's going to be the number one. So, is he a third choice right back for the first team squad? Because surely it's no good for the Colts. Surely we've got guys coming through that the idea is to develop talent to make the jump to the first team. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. See, the thing, Lawrence, we've been talking about this for months, uh, about the, the squad management, Brian, at Celtic. And it's not something that's happened overnight. It's not something that's happened uh, since Neil Lennon's left the building and during this pre-season. It's something that's set in over a, a long period of time. I always remember the the question in the pages in Not The View, is he a left-back? Because we could never find a suitable left-back at Celtic Football Club for years and years. And then, uh, all of a sudden, we've got two in succession who you know, held the jersey for several seasons uh, in Izagiri and then Kieran Tierney. Since then, it's been a problematic uh, position, but not as problematic as the right back. And we know that going back to the days of Lustig, and I'm not pining for a return of Mika Lustig uh, in the same vein as the Eric Sviachenko rumour the other week there, we've not replaced them. It's as simple as that with Adel Hamid in there, Tolyan, Maurice Bauer, Frimpong. Um, and now we're in a situation where we've got two guys in there, one who is untested at our level. I know that he played about 40 games for Tranmere last season, Leo Connor. He's an internationalist. I remember when he signed for Celtic, the Man U fans were unhappy that the, you know, the club had let this promising youngster go. And at that time, speaking to uh, someone at Celtic, they said they weren't sure, you know, who from Frimpong and O'Connor would make the break through into the first team because they were neck and neck in terms of their own potential. And we know what's happened with Frimpong. He's gone away for 11.5 million quid uh, to German football. So we're in this situation not because of a, a couple of bad decisions. This is years of poor squad management, Brian. And, you know, if we do keep him, I don't see it being an option that Ralston would be anywhere near the Colts squad. How could you get a 22-year-old who's been in and around the first-team squad, albeit there's been three loan deals elsewhere in Scottish football, to drop from the Premiership down to the fifth tier of Scottish football? I mean, at that age, you know, at 22, it's not going to benefit the player 
Although it might benefit some of the players he's playing alongside within the coach squad, I can't see that being an option. So, you know, if you go in and we spend big money on someone, and I'm not sure whether or not we'll get the sport in Lisbon right back, but obviously if we're in the market at that level, that'll be your first pick. That's not going to happen within the next 28 days. I would assume so Brian this is a, a far deeper issue and we're focusing on the right back because there's been developments with Ralston but there's issues like this all throughout the squad isn't there it's insane and when you look at it even using Ralston as an example as I say I don't think he's, he's going to be a first class Celtic right back I'm not even sure he's a great squad player if I'm honest I don't have anything against the boy but I don't think he's brilliant but in terms of the decision who signed him so say if John Kennedy had an input, why did he not play mm. last year? Yep. If Peter Lowell has wanted to say they'll give him an extension, why did they not play instead of signing Kenny? Why did they not feature any games? And this is an example of it's so there's, there's no coherency with the decisions across the board. The only thing I can think of is that maybe I know the boy O'Connor's done quite well for Tranmere, but he's been playing as centre mid, he's been playing as a holding player. Mm-hmm. Unless they decide to see him in that position. And Ralston's then the second choice right back that could be the case maybe but I just think that you know we talk about being a big club and stuff but there's just seems that there's no organisation between there's no coherency rather between the decisions they say guys like um, your left back young boy uh, Monty that come on and play the game why did he not play the last six games see if he can save you some money if you know you're going to be losing a bunch of players mm-hmm. Why not play the youngsters and let them see who's got it? And if they've got it, great. If they don't, then you move them all on and you start again because you have to start again anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, play the academy players. The boy Hales we spoke about. I don't think you can, you can afford to drop him into the Colts because there's no deals there. No. So you're going to have to just say, you know what, you're a young lad, but you got a bit of presence, let's just throw you in. And again, that's probably no good for his development either because it's different, you know, phasing into the first team and coming in and training with the boys and get a game every now and again until you, you play five or six games on the bounce we've been told you could be the first choice centre back at 17 after a season at Ross County I mean what are we doing here so yeah it's incredibly frustrating and as I say I try to be positive about the situation we find ourselves in because you can't really change the past mm-hmm. but it's incredibly frustrating when you look at things and it seems I mean look we are three guys in a podcast we're no geniuses you know, football experts, and we can see what has to be done and why it has to be done. So why can't they? The thing with uh, regards to some of the players we're going to be talking about today is, as you were saying there, Brian, you do have people who are very analytical when it comes to the way that they, they watch their football. Um, and then you have observers uh, who make some great observations in relation to players and shape and the way that particular teams play and and set up so on Saturday there we got Alan Morrison involved um, to speak about some of the players that Ange Postacoglu might suit and some that he may not suit uh, when it comes into Celtic Park and there was a few surprises actually I've got to say thrown in to the mix by Alan some concerning uh, (laughs) players who will be playing for Celtic and and those who won't but what you'd certainly do get is you get a good balance Brian of the squad that he's inheriting um, and some of the players who, I mean, last season, and, and I'm going to bring up the, the Lee Griffiths uh, situation here. Last season, uh, Lee Griffiths obviously had, I guess, the worst season that he's had on a Celtic jersey and potentially the worst season he's had in professional football. And 
when I was looking at the Ralston uh, developments and the fact that we are activating this final year of this, his contract, Celtic seem to build their deals around this quite regularly. Um, they did it with Simunovic and they decided not to activate it. Uh, and there's been other players down the last few years where we've had that extra year. Um, so Griffiths is very much or was in, in the same boat as Ralston uh, when it came to his contract. He's still class as a Celtic player, as I say, he's going to be speaking to Ange uh, tomorrow. And it was my suggestion that because we're so threadbare, we should keep Lee Griffiths. Obviously, you throw that into Twitter and it becomes an absolute minefield. Um, and quite a few people disagreed with it. Um, and I can see why. I can see why. Because obviously, Lee Griffiths, people reminded me, he hasn't had a good season in five. But what I would say in his defence is that we know the well-publicised issues that he's had off the field, right? So that's a given, and everybody appreciates that. But not last season, the season before, when we're going for nine in a row, Lawrence Conley, and we're going neck and neck with Rangers around about Christmas time. And there is a pivotal moment in this season, prior to the lockdown in March, before the Rangers game at Ibrox, where Celtic turned it round. And I think it's safe to say that a massive part of that was the reintroduction of Lee Griffiths, into the Celtic side and the partnership that he quite clearly had, the understanding that he quite clearly had with Odson Edward. Now, he signed off the last game that we were all at, the last Celtic game we were all at. He signed off with a hat-trick against St Mirren, you'll remember it, at Celtic Park. And I feel that since then, last season was an anomaly for many, many Celtic players. And I'm not going to say it was an anomaly for, for Lee Griffiths, but it's almost as if we're not taking any of that into account. The fact that last season, playing behind closed doors, the fact that there was no integration or, or there wasn't meant to be an integration with others outside your bubble. It was a difficult period for everybody, but he wasn't being played because Neil Lennon didn't think he was fit enough. He argued the fact that he was fit enough, he was left behind in the pre-season tour of France. And what I believe is that the way the club are going at the moment, I think Lee Griffiths will be given another contract. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if he was part and parcel with the, the starting lineup in 28 days' time for a, a European qualifier. Now, I don't know where you, you stand yourself on this one, Lawrence. Would you give him another final chance? Or is it time to do as Stephen Ray suggests and get someone younger better and more professional because Stevie reckons that Griffiths has had three years too many move him on what's your thoughts where are you on this one listen you get someone younger better more professional we could do that for every position you know if they're out there and they'll come to us that would definitely be an improvement if they're better younger more professional question is can Celtic do that over a number of positions that we've got to cover Griffiths, as you said, kind of turned the season the season before last. He's probably looking and thinking after Ayet comes in, I'm third choice. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's be honest, you know, Eddie was saying, I get he's bought for five million, not not to be third choice striker. So Griffiths probably think I'm the third choice striker here. Obviously, a uh, bit of disagreement with, unusually a disagreement with Neil Lennon uh, about you know fitness, mm-hmm. uh, but it's Lennon saying you're not fit enough. So he's had his problems, but I think we all know he's a born goal scorer. He's brilliant at set pieces, and we're really short up front. He's on 15k a week. Do we change that and just say, well, look, you know what you're going to get elsewhere? five or six k a week in Scotland well, we'll pay you seven and the rest performance related whether it's you've got to play 20 minutes here again before you get any performance related give them goals bonuses something more to, to stay fit and score goals but if that's the issue is him being fit I don't know what they'll get you know the, the investment if it's eight grand it's 400,000 isn't it if that's his basic they put one say what are we going to get for 400,000 out in the market Not, I don't think anything as talented as Lee Griffiths well, this is a big, this is a big argument. I can see both sides of the, of the argument and the debate. Obviously, it's very difficult at times, Brian, to, to even voice any side of a debate on social media. It's a, it's a lot better platform, I would guess, to do so on a podcast. We've got plenty of people coming in. Uh, wading in with their, their opinion on it. If we are keeping Griff, then one-year contract, 30%. Very much what, like what you're saying, Lawrence, the underwater cabbage salesman agrees with you. Um, we can maybe reshape the contract uh, to suit the club rather than to suit the player. Um, if indeed that's possible, because I know that these these contracts with a one-year option, certainly the way that Man United used to set it up, there wouldn't be a, an option to renegotiate the final con- the, the final year of that. You wouldn't be able to give someone a, a reduction in wages. Only with their agreement. So that, I think it's, you know, I'm sitting grip down or whoever, the director of football or the mystery man sits grip down and says, well, look, this is what you, you know, you were a 40 goal season player. Here's what you've done since then. You know, you could go, if you get back to 40 goals this season, here's what we're going to pay you. It's going to be the equivalent of 25 grand a season. Or, sorry, a week rather, rather than 18. Because if Lee Griffiths is sitting 40 goals in the season, it'd be well worth it. So it's only with, with, with Lee's agreement that what, what else is he going to get elsewhere? Maybe five, six grand tops in Scotland. So if we're beating that basic, it's down to his agent advisor. I'm going, well, you're going to get more than your basic. And here's the opportunity if you're fit and playing and scoring goals like you know you can, you can get up there in excess of the 18k that's already in his one year. Why don't you make it like 22, 23? Really load up for him performing and being fit and being on the park. See, the thing with Griffiths is there's this um, uh, kind of like blasey attitude that if he leaves Celtic or I'll sign for Aberdeen or Hibs I'm not sure Aberdeen or Hibs could actually structure a deal that would even give him something like five, six, seven grand a week you know because these clubs are cutting their cloth as well Brian um, and there's a few other players I think that are in the same kind of boat here uh, will Postacoglu breathe new life into a player like uh, Lee Griffiths will he do the same with someone like Tom Rogic Ridiculizer reckons that uh, Griffiths like Rogic has had more than enough time to prove their fitness I find the fact the latter can't do 90 minutes to be an unacceptable disgrace for a professional footballer um, what's your thoughts on players that really over the last season or maybe even two or three seasons like Rogic like Griffiths who have been on the fringes of the first team 
you know, they've not they've not come out and played your 40, 50. You look at the games that McGregor plays, and I know he's a, an exception to the rule, but they've not been pivotal to the Celtic side over the last couple of seasons, guys like Roderick and Griffiths. Are these the players that you think that we will get a tune-out of under Ange Postacoglu, or is it time, Brian, to cut your losses finally with these guys? Is there too much sentimentality from people like me? I think there's two ways of looking at it, Paul. I think if this was a regular season and we had a decent squad and you weren't needing to recruit, you know, 12 players, then I would say Dolly Griffiths times up. But, the, you know, the reality is different from where we want to be. You know, signing Griffiths again, I think, is a kind of no-brainer. I think we have to give him a new contract. Or not a new contract, we just extend it. Just because we're so short. I mean, how many free kick-takers do we have in the squad now? David Turnbull that it but just for having his ability to set pieces mm-hmm. I think he's worth keeping in terms of the attitude you guys are having logic what I find quite interesting is you know we're quite willing to say Neil Lennon didn't know what he was talking about Neil Lennon wasn't doing things right he was inconsistent but he said we fully believe when he says they weren't fit Roger <clears throat> Griffith's father has said that he was being fit all along he just wasn't getting picked yeah surely if you're managing your squad and there's a player that's getting back to fitness you play him for the start and then until he builds his fitness up not mm-hmm. dropping him for 10 minutes at a time so I find it's things that we're automatically believing that he was this fat pudding that wasn't wanting to train and didn't want to play and wasn't fit because I don't know if that's the case he said it's not so we either believe him or believe Neil Lennon um, Neil Lennon also said to be fair that David Turnbull wasn't fit and didn't know how to play in the Celtic team until January which I don't believe either when you look at no. the impact he had so I think you have to caveat we're making a lot of assumptions about Lee Griffith and I think we have to caveat that with how much of it is accurate in terms of the question about Poster Collar getting a tune out of them I think only he's going to know um, I think he said there that you know players have been confronted for the past few years I think Lee Griffith's help save the season under Lennon when he came back to get uh, when he when him and Edward teamed up mm-hmm. he basically saved that season so he had a, a direct impact in changing our fortunes again that season so I'm not sure that's really fair either I think last season was a nightmare I think we're hearing so many different stories it's the players fault they're no fit it's Lennon's fault he's not training them properly we don't know I think he did he deserve a chance probably not but it's like the, the Batman film, Dark Knight. He might not be the hero we deserve, but it might be the hero we need right now. <laughs> and, you know, a, a striker coming off the bench, he has ability. I, th- I think we keep, and like Lawrence says, who are you going to get for the money? Because I tell you what, you're not going to get Nesbitt for a, for a million quid. He's going to cost a fair bit more. And I think Griffiths will know he could probably stay there and be third choice striker. Mm-hmm. And I think he'd be all right with that. You know, when you're, you're talking about someone like uh, Nesbitt, he made the 26-man squad. Uh, I know he's not featured prominently, Brian, but for example, if he was to, to be the hero of tonight, if Scotland were to progress, then it's put him in, in a, a completely different bracket again. You know, so there was a bid in January. Hibs were able to hold off on that bid, but they've already said they're going to be playing ball with one, potentially two of their big assets this pre-season and you would guess that Nisbet and probably Doig would be those two players I'm going to move it slightly um, to some of the comments Alan Morrison made on Saturday which I found very interesting I've been thinking about them one that he did say was that Lee Griffiths doesn't suit Postacoglu's 
teams, the teams that he uh, builds and what he expects from, for example, strikers. Lawrence, he would expect Lee Griffiths to be winning the ball back. Um, and apparently Lee Griffiths is the worst in the entire squad at doing that in the final third of the park. Um, a player who would fit the bill in, the, in that respect, and he, although not an out-and-out striker, but a, a, an offensive player, is uh, El Yunusi, who's very good, apparently, at winning the ball back in these areas. But some of the other surprises were that David Turnbull probably isn't suited to Ange Postecoglou, uh, but Barkas and potentially even Bolingoli would be suited to the way that Ange Postagoglu plays. I mean, are we at this stage, Lawrence, do you think when I put out yesterday that we should give Griffiths another contract and it, there's a meltdown and people are basically telling you to delete your Twitter and you don't know what you're talking about and you've been on the sauce and various other substances for making such a claim. Is it about time that we realise where we are at the moment? And the fact, like Brian says, it might not be the hero we deserve, but at the moment, this moment in time, we do need to be fielding a team in 28 days' time against Midgetland yeah. and, you know, to have Griffiths on the bench. I'd love Griffiths to be on the bench tonight for Scotland. Listen, I think it's time for pragmatism. You, you, you know, we'd like two players that all fit Angie's system and look at a cracking squad from. We're not going to have that. <laughs> you, you know, we're going to have to have some players that he's going to have to use and then build his squad through time. I, mean, I didn't know Hibs had a, a bid for Nisbet and... Was it Christmas or January? Yeah, so, Sunderland were after, weren't they? So if they obtained that, they wouldn't have needed a government loan. I mean, you've got to wonder about these clubs taking handouts of a, the government to afford multi-million pound players or keep players to get higher up in the league. You know, where, where, where's the ethics in this? No, Lawrence, you, you raise a, a very good point there. And um, I think that when a club had an opportunity, I think, to to perhaps sell play for a couple of million quid but they're taking money from the government purse I, I totally agree with that and I know Celtic didn't take any on, on this occasion and it's not about taking the moral high ground but I think we're going to be talking about the rules for guys like you and I and the rest of um, the nation against rules for footballers or rules for club sides against national sides and we will be talking about that because it's you know it's at the forefront at the moment when you're looking at the Billy, Billy Gilmer debate and we'll have a wee chat about that as well, uh, Lauren. So you're absolutely spot on. And I think that when it comes to football, um, they, they do seem to get a bit of a free ride uh, a lot of the times. Why would they be taking a government loan? Which, I mean, how long have they got to pay that back, Lawrence? Is it 20 years interest-free? Yeah. I mean, there is an argument if we wanted to see you know, the fiscal duty that perhaps Peter Lowell had. Well, fiscally, would it would have been better for Celtic to take, what would they have got, 2.3 million interest-free for 20 years? Fiscally, that would have been good, obviously. We obtained a moral outlook on it. But, you know, if we'd taken that, we could have paid the extra money and got Ivan Tony. <laughs> you know, so uh, would that have changed their season? Probably. So, uh, I don't know. Does it go back to state aid then? Are we getting, uh, is the government helping some clubs and, you know, to be successful? Well, again, we'll have a wee chat about that when we talk about Billy Gilmore and what's going to be happening tonight with regards to isolation and the way that Celtic were treated previously last season. Uh, but I mentioned Ball and Golly, and again, he's one of these players, Brian, that a wee bit like Ralston a few weeks ago, any mention of certain Celtic players and there's booing and hissing all over the comment section of these videos. And Ball and Golly, I think quite rightly, came in for a lot of flack um, for his unprofessionalism. And, you know, you look back on last season 
And yeah, there was there was a lot of things happening around about that time, but that was one of the moments as well that really undermined the manager at that stage. And I, I've been critical of Neil Lennon for having a team where players think that it would be okay to do that or acceptable or they're going to get away with it. Or it would be acceptable for Lee Griffiths to come back unfit for pre-season when it's not. And ball and golly has obviously suffered in terms of his Celtic career since then. Do you think someone like that, we might even look at ball and golly in relation to some kind of resurrection at Celtic Park? Is that a step too far? Again, we have to approach everything with, with pragmatism. I would suspect the optics, I like the ball and golly, the back, his first choice left back, might tip the, the, the scales against Don McKay's reign, I think. These decisions have to be motivated as well as by the playing squad, is how it looks. Mm-hmm. If you look to say, well, you know, we know you're not happy about it, but we're playing ball and volley. We know you're not happy about it, but we're doing this. I don't think it paints the greatest picture. I think looking back now, a year or so after, or whatever amount of time after it's happened, with some of the, the abuse he took, harsh, maybe. I think he was stupid, I think he was ill-informed. But it was also at a time when we weren't 100% sure what was going on with the world. Um, and I think he got blamed for a lot of things at Celtic that we would then realise weren't really his fault. If he comes in and you know, he becomes the best left-back we've ever seen, then I think he'd be forgiven. But, you know, I think it's, it's a very, very sticky situation to find ourselves in. Um, there's almost no right answer, is there? I got slaughtered on Twitter for suggesting Svechenko could be a leader and a potential captain. Well, he should be. I just said he could be in this fantasy world. Ball and Golly coming back, you can imagine the scenes. Um, maybe make him captain, just for the sake of it, just to see the Twitter implosion. But I think um, I think we need all the players we can get. And look, if he comes in and gets a tune out of him, we don't have to spend another five million on a left back. So maybe we can spend ten million on a centre half. It may balance itself out over the course. These are the things, again, that at the moment it's very difficult to accept a lot of these uh, sticky plaster type situations. But if we're if we're going to invest in certain areas of the pitch, and this means that you give Ralston a deal at right back, Ball and Golly's back in the pitch on the first team, and then we, we revisit it in January, then I, I think that's something that we need to prepare for. But how damaging do you think this could be for the beginnings of uh, Dominic Mackay's reign. I mean, we've heard so much good about what, what Dominic Mackay is bringing to Celtic. And he's walked into a, a scenario which I guess feels like a bit of a rudderless vessel at the moment. Um, when you're looking at players coming back, like Sviachenko, it looks like it's a stopgap. Ralston looks like a stopgap. Griffiths would feel like one as well. Ball and golly is a, a massive step backwards, it would feel. How damaging do you think that is going to be to the, the new era and the new regime, Brian? I think it would be massive, and, and, and that's kind of my whole thinking behind it. So It's a balancing act. So I think we're walking out. We'll, we've agreed that we do need some sort of stopgaps in the squad. You can't have too many either. So you, you, you can justify some. You can say, look, we're getting this guy in because he's going to do a job. We know what he can do. He's a squad player. Now we take two or three of them. You start giving too much guys at ball and golly, guys that maybe people think they don't deserve a chance. Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous game to play with Don McKay, who has got off to a, a pretty decent start in terms of his communication. Um, but it's the same thing. It's like you saw the absolute explosion when Gordon Stratton was 
mentioned it's potentially been a, a senior role by a, a rag of a newspaper. And everyone jumped on it and said, oh, that's terrible. He's going to be director of football. Dom's a disaster, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, we, first of all, we, that might be nonsense. We don't know. So I think the optics of these decisions are going to be almost more impactful mm-hmm. than the decisions themselves. Like, I, I don't think having him in the squad is going to be that bad. Do I want it? No, it's up to me to win him. But you may have to do sort of it. But again, if you have too much, it's going to look like Don McKay has not any power. He's basically sitting in the sands doing what he's told. And, you know, it's really important he gets off to a good start as well. Aye, without a doubt. Now, Zinko Fix um, comes in to say, I still think Griffiths is a better striker than Ayete, just my opinion, before I get slaughtered. Well, Zinko Fix, uh, you're, you're amongst friends here. I just wouldn't hear that view on Twitter because uh, there will be a meltdown. Trust me, it happened yesterday. Um, but you know what? I don't take it personally. Maravchik25 comes in also to say, win 20 in a row here and nobody outside our borders even takes notice. Europe is where sport and achievement is measured. You're absolutely right and we are talking about our first European endeavours under the new regime and it's happening in 28 days time. Lawrence, can you believe that a few months back I was joking that we're going to start with Ralston, Beaton, Welsh and Taylor. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you Access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And we might just start with that back four. Yeah, it's taken so long to get a manager in it. It was a bit of a debacle, the way that was handled. But but back just briefly to Bongoli, it's no real decision unless you've got a buyer. He's up there. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, it's not a decision unless you've got a buyer, so you can go slight on McCangle. And if you look at it through Paul and Golly's eyes, what happened? I didn't break the law. Put some football regulations. What's the punishment? Your team, what's the punishment in Scotland? Your team gets banned from the next two games and you miss what's it, five or six games. Is that a consistent punishment across Scotland? So Paul and Golly's maybe feeling a wee bit hard done by, maybe let down the Celtic, because he's, he's going to look around about and go, well, look what happens to other players in Scotland. Mm-hmm. They don't get treated as harshly by their club or by their authorities. Yeah, but you know, it's not a decision unless we've got a buyer for them, <laughs> or, or we want to write off five million quid between them, which I, I, I can't see is doing when we're being dead payer. If he, you know, unless we've got a buyer, he's in the squad. Well, it, listen, it, Lawrence, it's a, it's a great point, and, and you're talking about writing um, off transfer fees. We're we're kind of doing that at various uh, stages of this squad anyway because I mean then Cham I don't know how much that's wrapped up in the Barcast deal to be honest with you was it a two part payment for, for Barcast which is often the, the case uh, with, with transfer fees and is, is in Cham being used as a balance to that I'm not too sure but with regards to this, this situation Brian on the, on the back of what Lawrence has just said there if we're looking at this squad and we're saying, right, we need to get a team on the park for our first game in 28 days' time, and your option is, right, we've got Taylor who's away at the Euros, and behind him you've got Ball and Golly. Like, Salt's away never to return, I'm pretty sure. And then you're, you're, you're basically looking at guys who will be part of the, the Colt squad and, and guys like Ewan Otu, or people who, you, you know, you're not going to be saying as a first or a second choice like Leo Held at 17 as much as John Hughes rated him and likened him to Virgil van Dijk, I can't see him breaking into the Celtic first team this season. So you're looking at that saying, well, you know what, he might be the third choice. Because the Celtic uh, you know, hierarchy will be looking at that and saying, well, the other option there is is to, as you say, cut your losses on ball and golly. And then the, the kind of left-backs we've been um, you know, in, 
involved in speculation with is like Aaron Hickey, for example, or Doigget Hibbs. These guys are going to cost you two and a half, three million quid, maybe even more. So, you know, Celtic are going to be looking at that situation and saying, well, it's not ideal that Bowling Golly is perhaps a second choice. But again, going back to what we're saying about the right-back situation, Brian, it, it might just be one of those stop gaps that we're going to have to um, suck it up really until January and see how the season progresses and where we are financially at that stage. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of <clears throat> what I've been sort of saying since, since the post-Cobbler came in. I, I definitely think this season is a rebuild season. And, you know, I don't want it to be. I don't think it's particularly acceptable. But I can't see us doing everything we have to do to, to modernise the club. There's inverted commas and change the squad and get all your first team players in and play a certain way. I can't see it all getting done in one season. There's going to have to, you're going to have to put, put plasters around and sort of steady the ship and then gradually change. Um, and I think... <clears throat> Yeah, it's basically taking medicine. And again, this is the issue we talk about the communication, you talk about the impression of Don Mackay. He's almost going to have to come and say, look, I get this is the most ambitious transfer window. I get his decisions you're not happy with, but this is the course we have to steer. This is what we have to do, and we will build, we will change, but it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't imply that message, but I think now's the time to just be explicit with it and say, look, this is the situation we're in. This is where we want to be. This is how we get there. This is the roadmap. It's going to take a bit of time, but yeah. trust us, we get there. And I think honesty might be the best policy in this case. Yeah, it's never going to be done in one transfer window, that's for sure, Brian. There's an interesting point coming in from Stephen Creamer. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Love the avatar. That's how I was feeling yesterday looking at my Twitter page. How many goals did Griff score last season? Can we start getting real with the proven goal scorer comment? Well, last season, as we say, it was a stop and start one. For, for Lee Griffiths but what I would say is there was a moment there was a moment in December that I felt could have been a turning point Brian it could have been a turning point and I watched the game with Lawrence and it was the Scottish Cup final which obviously was classed as the previous seasons but it happened in real time in December and there was a moment when Scott Brown throws himself at a ball it's parried Griffiths finishes it and you think Griffiths is a hero you think it's the return uh, but it wasn't to be because obviously you know um, they took us into uh, into a penalty shootout and again Griffiths scored from the penalty spot as he did for Scotland in uh, our qualification campaign so although Stephen's right in that it was a very inconsistent uh, and there wasn't much of a return from, from Lee Griffiths last season there were moments where had he got a run of games and I'm going to caveat this with what Brian said earlier on if he was fit enough, and apparently, you know, according to Neil Lennon, he wasn't fit enough, but according to Lee Griffiths, he was, then, you know, the, the season may have been, but it's all left spots and maybes. I just don't think that, you know, we're in a position, especially when you look at the other strikers we have at our disposal at this moment in time. We know we've got a Yeti next season. We don't know if we've got Bio, because obviously there might be another loan deal for him. And we don't even know if we've got Edward. We know that uh, there were... There were talks in relation to the £18 million sale of Edward to Leicester City that appear to have broken down. He might still be a Celtic player for the beginning of the season. We've seen situations like that in the past where we're expecting a player to leave. They're still with us at the, at the start of the season, but we're expecting it to happen very, very soon. And I think that would probably be the case with Edward. But up top, you know, we were so short, in, even with backup, that we've had to go out and buy an 18-year-old to fill the, the Colts squad. 
with a striker. You know, we, we don't have striking talent up front. Lauren, so when you're looking at, at Griffiths uh, in last season, I mean, he was pivotal to that Scottish Cup win, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Listen, Lee Griffiths has scored goals and at a great rate any time he's been in the team. You know, whether it's Wolves or Dundee, Celtic, Cubs, anything that's won, he's a goal scorer for us. We get last season what wasn't particularly good, but we've touched on it. You know, he's had his issues. He was in and out of the team. But for sure, goal scoring talent, who do we have? You know, if Edward leaves, who have we got left? What's in a bio? I wouldn't say that. Even, you know, he scored a few in the French second division, not a lot. A Yeti looked good when he came in. You know, listen, if Lee Griffiths isn't a Postacoglu type of player that can close players down and chase players down, I don't think Yeti, from the limited amount we've seen him, looks like a player that's going to put a shift in chasing balls down and closing people down and pressing No, he, he, under Ronnie Griff done that Griff put in a, a hell of a work up front and I know Ronnie was what he was weighing him almost every day you know he was right on top of him making sure his fitness was up maybe that's what he needs somebody that's a bit more strict on that on that front who knows well, potentially yeah a completely different regime Lawrence it worked under Ronnie and yeah Maybe if you're league, if you're single, Jesus, God, for it goes a season, Celtic went in and bought somebody to replace me. You, you know, <laughs> about the belly, then I dropped the second on the bench. Mm. It's, you, you know, he's sure he can do it, give him a chance when he's a number one striker. It's can we get him fit enough and in the right, right place mentally to be that number one striker for us again? Well, that remains to be seen. I would expect something this week uh, to be announced in a similar vein, even if it was announced. I can't remember seeing it announced about Ralston, just filtered into the uh, the tabloid press. But Bromsgrove Boy, did Celtic assist in a Yeti and Barkas settling? It's a good question. I think not. Dereliction of duty again. This is something I think that uh, goes... Far, further back even than Ayetem Barkas and you know the famous tale of Petrov coming along uh, not really speaking the lingo not being on a good wage um, getting a job in a was it a kebab fan just so that he could uh, settle in and start to, to learn the lingo um, and then fast forward to even Ibu Kas- uh Kuasi rather, uh, again, who felt very isolated when he was at Celtic, you know, in relation to having that kind of social integration. And add all that into the fact that there's a, a pandemic and there's a lockdown and there's bubbles. I think, yeah, there's a lot of players that would have suffered from that. Um, and we know that some of those players were residing in hotels, for example. That wouldn't have been easy for anyone, uh, regardless of where you're coming in from. But um, would we expect, Brian, you know, the £10 million investment of a Yeti and Barkas to improve with the new regime and hopefully a new environment? I mean, we, we are hoping to have a new new environment in relation to the pandemic next season. Yeah, I think Barkas, certainly, he, he seems to fit the bill for what was to call the lights and um, goalkeepers. When he said he likes the goalkeepers to play the ball at their feet and, and you know, almost be another outfield player. Marcus apparently said he doesn't like being a goalkeeper, so <laughs> that, that might actually fit the bill for, for Costa Coglu. Um, just to go back to that comment in terms of Celtic and the, helping the players settle, I'm not sure how much they could have done last season in the pandemic to help them settle. So I think... Table, I think table tennis competitions perhaps, Brian? Nah, <laughs> they could have had parties. Some clubs have parties for the players. Aye, some clubs get to investigate their own <clears throat> investigate internally. But I think they could have had songs at it as well. 
Aye, maybe. But with Ruby Canny, um, Ruby Canny days, he's always kicked his head in because I, I don't know in that situation there's much more they could have done than they've done. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, that's maybe circumstances over their election of duty. Um, Ayeti, I don't see him having a future at Celtic. And I, I, I think there's a player there, but judging by everything I've heard about Postacoglu's teams, he doesn't look... They look like the most hard-working. It's like mm. he's more of a culture, and it doesn't seem like that's going to work. I hope I'm wrong, and he, and he bangs in you know, 30 goals for me. But I, I don't see it. Barkas, yeah, a Yeti, no. I just don't want my final uh, memory of a Yeti being that time where he missed the chance that you... He should have scored against Ross County and he just turns around with a big grin on his face. And I was thinking, oh, cheers, buddy. Um, as our season disintegrated in front of our eyes, Joseph Stoddart comes in with the best comment of the day, Wiggy. I'm not sure who he's talking about, but if there is a wig company out there that wants to sponsor the show, give us a shout and uh, we will discuss it with them. So we're talking about uh, the Celtic squad at the moment. The Edward situation is rumbling on. Lawrence, I would have expected Eddie probably to have moved on by now but there isn't much business getting done uh, do you still think that he will leave and do you think that Brendan Rodgers will be the man who takes him down south or will we start the new season with Edward and if you do is this not just like you know uh, a repeat of last season where we've got guys that don't want to be there Edward is an agent where that's out there but they're all square where in six months time they can sign for substantially higher wages with somebody for free so it's a call they've got to make. What gets put in front of them? You know, there's been rumours of Arsenal, there's been rumours of Brendan Rodgers. If none of them came in, I could well see his agency and well, look, give him another six months, do the business on the park, you're going to get a huge sign on fee because you'll be signing for free. Signs for free, and then the club approaches and they listen, here's a million or two to three months at the end of the season, he doesn't want to be here to the, the back half of the season. If he doesn't get his move that he wants this summer, I don't think that's it. Uh, you would think goal scorers are at premium. You think someone down south would be after him. Uh, whether they're going to wait to see how how the Euros filter out. And if Harry Kane goes for 100 million, you, you know, would Spurs be, be interested to spend a bit of that on, on Edward taking him to London? I, I've thought, I don't think so because I still think there is this this view on Scottish football and you look at obviously how some of the players performed the other night who are plying their trade down south and I've thought about some of the, the clubs down south, Brian, and how part of their recruitment model probably should be to buy the best from Scotland. I mean, you look at some of the players Celtic have sold to English clubs over the last you know seven or eight seasons and how well they've done down south. And we know we know who they are, you know, from Foster to Wanyama, Van Dyke, etc., etc. You know, and there's probably going to be more of them. But a club like Newcastle goes go out and buy players for 40 million quid who end up not really repaying that transfer fee. And you think, well, why don't they just pluck the best from Scotland? I mean, is it not about time? Um, and the other night, I guess, was another reminder that they stopped looking down the noses at our game. We know the deficiencies of Scottish football. But you look at the success of, dare I say, John McGinn down south and the fact he was playing with Hibs up here. And if, if he was to be sold by Villa just now, it would be an astronomical feat. And it would be the same way with Kieran Tierney. I mean, the £25 million pound a lot of people were saying it before but it's looking like a snip if he was to sign for a Man City at the moment the transfer fee would be astronomical so you know I sometimes wonder why 
a club like Newcastle, for example, doesn't come in and offer ten million pounds or twelve million pounds for for Scotland, Scottish talent. I mean, there's there's many players up here, I reckon, who would do a job down south. And I think Edward would be, would be one of them. But the club is going to be very important. I mean, I think if he was to go to some of the clubs that have been linked to Edward, he could disappear without trace. Um, you know, is that is that something that? you think it's always going to be there um, the, the snobbery of the, the English game looking at the Scottish game yeah sadly it's the perception of the Scottish game isn't it that it's a pub league and all this but that's just a way of you know almost building up the English league and, and, and sort of mocking us and, you can, and then if that's the narrative and everyone buys into it then it's easy to justify you know six million quid for a player that they played for you know Nottingham Forest would be paying 30 million for mm. I think uh, I think you look at Callum McGregor, who's no the greatest Steve Celtic, and yet they're on the against England. He, him along with uh, Gilmore and <clears throat> McGinn ran that midfield. Yeah, you know he was one of the best players in the park. He would definitely fit in in a team down there, but because it's Scotland, like you go for cheap. And it's this there's this perception as well, this arrogance that because it's the English Premier League that people will jump to it. Mm. And it's not the fact that they, I, I don't think players. Grew up wishing to play for Newcastle unless you're a Jordy. I don't think Chris Ayer sat at home in Norway with Newcastle posters everywhere determined he's going to get there one day. Well, he, might, he might have played uh, Sabutio. He might have played Sabutio and he always went Newcastle though, Brian. I think maybe the young for Sabutio, to be honest. But he'd go there for the money. Mm-hmm. Money talks. Um, but the reality, you know, the thing is as well, the other, the other aspect of it, apart from the sort of arrogant side, is the fact that Hibs, even Celtic, Rangers, whoever, need the money. And if an English team says, look, why buy a star striker? We'll give you 20 mil- uh, 10 million for him. And we say, want 20? Go, well, we'll just go and we'll pay 20 for some deals that's been established. And they can afford to do that because they don't care about the money. And then I think it's going to get to a point where we're really going to take it. And in regards to Edward, I think he will go before the season starts because I think his agent will want a fee. Let's mm-hmm. honest about it, agents get commission. Agents don't want players to go in Boston's. They want to go for a fee. So I, I do think you'll be off. Yeah. I mean, the other last word on Griffiths then, right? Because people will be shouting and screaming at the screen, um, thinking that I'm obsessed with Lee Griffiths. Uh, here we go. Another one from Paul. Don't see anyone else offering Griffiths 6k a week in Scotland. Now, the reason I brought this up is I totally agree with you. I think that Griffiths will actually struggle. He wouldn't struggle to find a club, but he'll struggle to find any kind of deal that's anywhere like what he's getting at Celtic at the moment. Because clubs like Aberdeen and Hibs, you know, who would be at the front of the queue to sign him, wouldn't be able to structure that deal. I mean, Johnny Hayes went back to Aberdeen and I think it was 18 months. He agreed not to be paid for 18 months. It was, you know, a situation where he made it impossible for them not to sign him. I look at the example of someone like, someone like, and I'm not saying they're the same type of player, someone like Anthony Stokes. Now, there you've got a player there who's fallen off, his career has fallen off the edge of a cliff and he ended up going wherever he went in the world just to make whatever he wanted to make. And the, the standard of football he was playing was not Scottish Premier League standard or Premiership standard. And it certainly wasn't Championship standard. Um, players like this, I don't think, would, would be able to, to make the step up to the EPL, Griffiths included. Do you fear, Brian, that Griffiths is staring into this void uh, similar to Anthony Stokes? If he was to leave Celtic... 
I don't know. Just purely because I think Griff seems to be a bit of a homebody. You know, I, I don't think he particularly enjoyed his time in England when he was there, by all accounts. Mm. I think he would I actually think he would take a pay cut to go somewhere and play every week. I think if if Hibbs, his boyhood club offered him two grand a week, you know, he's financially secure, he's probably doing all right for himself, but I think he would take that and play there. I genuinely do. Um, even for a season to keep playing. I don't see him going to Azerbaijan for a couple of years for the money, if I'm honest. Um, I, I think he'll stay closer to home. Tony Stokes, I think he played in Russia, Azerbaijan, Turkey, Kazakhstan, wherever. He was all over the place for a few quid. Griff, he's got, I think he's got like three or four kids, isn't he? I think he likes to, to be close to, to Edinburgh, close to Glasgow. Mm. Uh, maybe I'm making a wild assumption about the boy, but I don't, uh, I don't see him going gone anywhere out with the UK if I'm honest the last I heard the Stokes say was at Livingston didn't even play a game and then he disappeared I don't think yeah I don't even think he's got a club now you know uh, which is shocking for a guy of his age and, and the undoubted talent that he had now Lord, him, what was that let's get Stokes back oh come on didn't he start that rumour didn't he start that rumour um, now Lawrence Ollie and Cham is leaving the building he was a player who technically was very, very gifted on his day. And you know what's coming when someone says that. Uh, could be the best midfield player in Scotland. We didn't see it very often. Um, when you're looking at the career of Encham as he goes to Greece, potentially, do you think uh, underachiever or, well, will always have Rome? What's your thoughts on the departure of Olivier Encham? Well, so the underachiever would suggest that, you know, He's better. Is he better than what we've seen of him? Has he ever really done it consistently for us? Maybe this is something that his sights. Very few players will leave us and go to something better. Uh, Cham seems to have a actual problem. You know, it's when Cham can be bothered. Yeah. You, you know, and does that make a good player? I, I wouldn't have thought so. You, you know, you need to turn up every game. Not just, you know what, fancy game of football today. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it on. Mm. You know, if, we, if it's true we, we get bid 14 million for, for him and knocked it back, how much have we lost? I mean, there's rumours we get bid 8, 9 million for Christie in December and knocked it back when we had three number 10 struggling to get in the team. <laughs> you know, financial mismanagement, well, that, that, that's over 20 million between the two yeah. that we've missed out in the last year. Mm-hmm. For me, Sam, yeah, I, I think he's uh, flat to deceive. He had it in patches. But do you ever really remember seeing what running a game? Actually, take a game by a stop and and turn on a game round. When Celtic are doing well, that seems to be when he turned it on. Mm. i never seen him actually pick a team up and pick his teammates up and make them better, which, you know, maybe says a lot about him and his attitude, you know. Things are going well. Yeah. I can do it. Things aren't going well for the team. I'm not too sure what to do here. Well, the game that springs to my mind, uh, and we'll be talking about this before we finish up today, Lawrence, is the, the first game against Rangers last season when, obviously, Christie was out uh, due to the international uh, COVID isolation. And, you know, during that game, there was a situation where we Welsh uh, is devastated, Brian. He's devastated. He's sitting in the stand. His head's in his hands. And then Cham's looking over. And I know sometimes if somebody catches you at the wrong moment, it can make you look nonplussed. But and Cham was looking over as if to say, what are you bothered about? You know, and I think that that wee image stays with me from last season from Olivier and Cham. Time to cut your losses, move them on, and and move on as a club. 
Yeah, definitely. He never seemed to care to me that they got it. You know, when you look at the way a lot of players sort of get being excited and enjoy it and thrive on it, he never really seemed like, maybe it's just his demeanour, but he never looked like he was especially enjoying his football. I think he enjoyed working under Rodgers, as most of them seem to, but I don't ever get the impression he was, he was pretty happy at Celtic. And I, I can't really, other than Rome, there's no many games stick out for me. There's no many moments stick out for me. There's no last six tackles, great passes, great goals for me. I think he'd be forgotten about yeah, one of these guys who, you know, there's undoubted talent there, but how many times have we seen it at Celtic? You know, and, and they move on and, you know, in a few years' time we'll hear that they're playing maybe back in France. But, you know, these are the guys that, you know, when they're coming through the ranks and in the Manchester City Academy, they're, they're classed as an elite player. At this stage, they still think that they're an elite player. But, you know, we're five years down the line now. What And what have you achieved as an individual? I don't mean as a collective within Celtic because I don't think he'll achieve anything like what he has here in terms of honours. You know, he's going to go to AEK Athens. Our paths may cross again. Uh, we will we will see if they do. Stephen Kramer comes into the mind as McGregor shouldn't have been playing the amount of games he's been playing anyway. And I totally agree with that. You know, season on season, playing 60-odd games um, is going to result in burnout eventually. And I think he did look pretty burnt out at certain times this season it's it's been a relief to see him performing so well I, I know that I can understand why Gilmer got all the, the plaudits against England Brian but McGregor for me was an unsung hero excellent aye really good um, an example of the player that we missed last year really funnily enough like you know he seemed to have been a really bad season last year but no much of him so it's funny how some players bad season get rid of him but some players bad season to keep them. Mm-hmm. Now we're thinking about how we, we sort of judge people there. But yeah, great, great to see him playing and, and um, yeah, he was excellent. This brings us up to the international football, Lawrence, and I know you've been sitting there patiently for 57 minutes. Uh, the, the story broke yesterday around Billy Gilmer. He's out for tonight's game uh, and obviously we'd all love to see Scotland uh, winning and qualifying for the first time ever uh, out of the group stages of the finals and uh, Billy Gilmore's going to be out and that's a shame I reckon maybe Stuart Armstrong would be the the perfect replacement Brian I reckon he'll probably start the game what's your thoughts on the inconsistencies though Lawrence I mean I I watched with interest this morning on the news um, the health secretary uh, talking about how he waffled his way through an interview I've got to say Matt Hancock I don't know if you've seen it watch it back he waffled his way through the interview Uh, he was talking about how people uh, needed football needed the tournament and all this kind of stuff but then there's there's this strange issue in terms of consistency so if someone is isolating and they're in a very very tight bubble yet they haven't been close enough to be in close contact with anyone else within the Scotland squad Stevie Clark was asked the question he says that's nothing to do with me that, that gets dealt with elsewhere I'm just here to pick a team and I can understand why he didn't want to go into that minefield but you think back to that game that game they were just talking about there against Rangers, Ryan Christie was missing. And he was missing because he was playing computer games. I still call them computer games, Brian. Forgive me, I'm out of touch when it comes to gaming. Right, computer games with a couple of his buddies in the Scotland squad, Kieran Tierney and Stuart Armstrong. And at the time, he explained how that was set up. Because when you hear that, you think, oh, they're all huddled in a room on the edge of a bed playing a Sega Mega Drive. And I'm sure that's not what they're using. But that wasn't the case, was it? I mean, they were they were 
distance, not just socially distanced, they, they were twice as much as they needed to be apart, like four metres apart. They weren't even facing each other, yet he had to isolate. Yeah. What's the difference what, what, between that and, and table tennis, which apparently, because it's two metres away, it's a non-contact, you're not close enough. It's a nonsense, surely. It's obviously a, a more dangerous sport than table tennis. You know, exerting yourself in ten- table tennis, taking more air into your lungs would certainly not put you more at risk with it. Uh, I mean, Gareth Southgate seemed to touch on it and he was a bit surprised he's got two players isolating. The Scottish government advisor, she was uh, surprised by it. And the Scottish government didn't get any problem getting involved with it with Celtic, uh, did they? You know, they didn't leave it at the Scottish Football Joint Response Group. They were quite happy to jump in there. They were happy to leave other teams to investigate themselves. It certainly looks strange in the face of it that two England players are close contacts, but no Scotland players are. Mm. Well, where did they get COVID? You know, was he room sharing with anyone with a reputation for being a COVID party animal? Who knows? It's, uh, it, it's strange all around. Listen, and obviously, Steve Clark, right, he's going to use it to his advantage if they found a loophole that, you, you know, that they're, they're going, to, going to exploit it. But it's interesting that the government uh, would uh, apply the rules more rigorously to ourselves than any other person, you know, any other club or team. Now, the uh, thing with this, Brian... Uh, sorry, Alonso. Yeah, no, you're right, because it's difficult when you were so bad, which Celtic were last season. You were so bad. It's difficult to actually bring these things up because people straight away think, oh, it's a conspiracy, you're blaming COVID, etc., etc. But when you look at the facts of the situation and you look at the, the Christie situation uh, as an example, Brian... And you think, well, Celtic have been treated completely differently. And then you hear someone like Matt Hancock talking about the fact that we need this tournament, you know, for the greater good of the the nation and the mood of the nation. It doesn't come into it. You know, it's one rule for them, elite sports people, and one rule for us. But not only that, it's one rule for Scotland, one rule for Celtic. We're a Celtic podcast. Of course, we're going to use the comparisons here. And there was the famous interview or the infamous interview with Lenny and he talks about hypocrisy, air quotes, <laughs> notwithstanding. And, you know, he obviously knows a lot more than us about what was going on behind the scenes. But there, there are certain aspects of last season where I think Celtic were pretty harshly treated, and this is certainly one of them. Would you agree? Yeah, it's just, it's been weirdly inconsistent across the board. And I think that, <clears throat> you know, Lennon... What Lennon said, in hindsight, actually looked fairly accurate. I think it, it was hypocrisy. But the bigger concern is why Celtic haven't said anything. Yeah. You know, why Celtic not put their foot down and said, hold on a second. When, um, there was other teams that had COVID breaches, but they were allowed to investigate them internally. Mm-hmm. As we were dragged through the mud and um, very publicly flogged for it. I think Aberdeen as well should be, should be um, pretty unhappy how things went. Um, and some clubs were treated very differently in a positive way. So I think that there has to be there has to be looked at the reasons why. Why is the difference? Why is it? Is the rules changed? And if the rules changed the one, why not the other? Listen, I'll be delighted if Scotland get a result tonight and I don't wish anyone any ill harm and I don't want the game cancelled or anything like that. But the fact is there's been so much inconsistency and Lawrence has said it far better than I ever could about the way things have been handled. See, Brian, on Aberdeen. Aberdeen got the punishment, played a game, then Celtic's breach occurred, and Aberdeen were then dragged into it. The punishment was changed for Aberdeen because it was only because it was so close to Celtic. 
was actually nothing to do with Aberdeen's defence. That got ready to be decided that the next game went ahead. Yeah. That was decided. All of a sudden, ball and golly breach. Jesus. Right, we're going to stop Celtic in a couple of games. I'd better just drag Aberdeen into this. You know, what other teams have broken COVID and had games suspended? They aren't the only two teams in Scotland that have broken COVID. And Aberdeen's initial punishment wasn't having games suspended. You know, it's it's, it's, it's pretty clear that it was to Hammer Celtic. And I found it a bit ironic. You've got Scottish government talking about a march and George Square and anti-Irish and anti-Catholic singing. But they're prepared to take, on the face of it, Celtic differently, we don't know why, from other clubs. Well, why are they treated differently? Real then came out with this accusation. The government still haven't denied it, that they changed the rules in Celtic. Well, if you, you know, it's the easiest thing to deny. Well, we didn't change the rules. Here they are. Brian's touching it. Why is it left to Neil Lennon? And John Kennedy actually spoke about it as well. Mm-hmm. Where's the board? I'm pretty sure John Weed would have spoke out. Fergus McCann would have spoke out. You're made of a strong board or strong CEO. Where it is... The statement from Celtic saying this is ridiculous. Changing rules retrospectively to punishes, treating us differently from other clubs is ridiculous. One Scotland, many cultures. How does that fit in with your slogan, treating us differently? Yeah. You know, and it's for the government to answer. Well, I think Brian was right. Lawrence, you say it well. You say it best. And uh, that's a great way to finish off the Celtic State Mind Bulletin today. Big game tonight. Brian, you could tell in the words of the famous maestro, there was a buzz about the place in the WhatsApp group when the Scotland-England game was on. And uh, hopefully there'll be a buzz tonight. Can you see Scotland doing it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I see it. I think think they've got it in their tank. Um, I'll try not to put any videos of me singing the national anthem really drunk on the WhatsApp group this time but um, hopefully we'll be, we'll be celebrating No I just I, I'm, when you do that it's a bit like my Mark Hughes tweet you're all in you double down you keep it out there you don't delete it do not delete it keep it out there brilliant conviction I like it Lawrence how do you think Scotland will do tonight? Listen we're struggling for goal scorers but we're at hand in and I'm going to go with 2-0 Scotland and Stevie Clark will set up defensively but we will yeah, I think we're going to do it. I, I, I just think, you know, the time's right for it. Clark knows how to set, set up his teams, but I, I, I can see for all the abusive dykes he's taking about his quality, he certainly puts a, in a shift for us, she Adams, I can see he's getting a couple of goals. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're talking about Lyndon or Paul John there, Lawrence, but thanks anyway. And uh, the time is definitely now. Um, I've been Paul John Dykes. Thank you all for joining us in the comments field on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Thank you to Brian and Lawrence for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. 
our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.